Hello, and welcome to the A's and B's of Horror podcast. I'm your host, Jim, and with me as always is... Mark! So before we get into the movies we're going to talk about today, let's just remind everybody that we do have a Facebook group, the A's and B's of Horror podcast. We have an email, Horror at gmail.com. You can also leave us a message in the Anchor website, and we are live on every podcast platform you can imagine. Worldwide. Mark, would you like to... <laughs> worldwide, baby? Yeah, worldwide, baby. To our tens and tens of listeners. Yes, yes. Um, Mark, do you want to explain to them exactly what we're going to do here today? Okay. Uh, so, as our usual A and B movie, the A movies being the more popular or famous one, and then the B movie, which I pick to annoy Jim with, uh, which is usually going to be a much less well known uh, or maybe a cheaper budget, uh, but both should thematically work together as in a double feature. So to, on today's menu, um, Jim, you've picked The Grudge 2004. I cannot believe this movie is almost 20 years old. <laughs> so, so similar to my question, um, Jim, with the Halloween pick that you did, the, the 2018. So you could have picked the original Juon. Um, I, I could have, except that wasn't a very large movie over here in the States. I would say now it's fairly well known. Um, like, yeah, but that's more that that classifies more as a cult movie, doesn't it? Um, I guess it depends on who you're asking. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's true. You also, picked the 2020 soft reboot, The Grudge. So why did you pick this one? Well, to be perfectly honest, I never saw the 2020 soft reboot. It was alright. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying anything good or bad about it. I never saw it. I think it wasn't it John Cho. I actually like him and most of what he's done that I've seen. I just never picked that movie up. Yeah. But this movie, at the point in time when this movie came out, I had a soft spot for Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, I loved her from Buffy, which, funny story, I swore off watching for the first three years it was on TV because I was such a fan of the movie. Right. Once I did watch it, it turned out to be one of my favorite shows. I watched every episode and every season. So that that was my primary draw to this movie was her. Okay. Had you seen the original prior to this? I had not. I, I did not see the original until many years after I saw this movie. Okay. Maybe we'll uh, discuss what, if you can remember your thoughts on this one and the original. Yeah. So The Grudge, do you want to uh, take us through it? This is by the same director of the original, I believe. Right? It is. And if I'm not mistaken, Toshio and Kayako are the same actor and actress from Juan. Right. I think I think you're right. So Yeah, I think they brought all three of them with them to this remake. So I thought that was really cool when I found that out. Right. Do you think this remake was necessary? Um, no, I think it was made because it was popular at the time. There were a lot of, um, like, The Ring was made. So the the American version of Japanese horror was really hot at the at the moment that this was made. What, what I do like about this uh, compared to, say, The Ring remake is at least they set this in japan even though 90 percent of the cast are white americans but hey at least they took that effort to keep it in japan well there, there's one other thing that i really liked about this movie and that's that sam raimi was involved i tend to like a lot of the movies he's involved in oh yeah and of course so, if sam's there you know ted's not far behind of course because you know he he is one of the victims in the movie 
<laughs> Third, I'm just going to go through a high level of, of, of the movie, because I think at this point, with the movie being almost 20 years old, most people have already seen it. The beginning was one of those, which I think really became popular with Scream, where they kill off a big star right in the beginning. Right. We open on Bill Pullman throwing himself off a balcony. We did. We have the absolute worst reaction by anybody in a movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> with the one that's in his bed. Because she lets out a slight gasp and then looks over the balcony. Yeah, as if as if he's hanging on or something. Right. We cut from that scene and we meet Yoko. Mm -hmm. She's a girl who is a caregiver for an elderly lady. She walks into the lady's house and she she's there to you know meet the woman's needs and to clean up and you know what what, what a normal caregiver would do. She's going around the house. She's picking up the trash. Seems to just be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And she starts going upstairs. Yet she misses a piece of trash. And this really bothered me. She missed a single piece of trash that doesn't leave the frame. And I was just like, good, it, good. It. I, I rated it one out of 10 just for that scene. Oh, is that what it was? Okay, <laughs> good. So the, the, the old lady that she's a caregiver of, she has um, like dementia, right? And yes. She, she is uh, bedridden, basically. Well, that that's not true, which we'll find out later. So her she, she goes through a, a, a very steep decline once she gets into the house. Right. At, at this point... She is basically unable to do anything. She's just laying in the bed and she doesn't say anything. Right. Right. So Yoko's going through the house cleaning and she hears a noise coming from one of the bedrooms upstairs and she goes in to investigate. And Mark, when you hear a noise coming from an attic space, what's the first thing you do? Uh, I would go up there, Jim. Would you? Would you really? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and the fact that you know, as as the viewer of the movie, and I'm more jaded, I guess. I don't know. But I, I would not have gone up there. Well, she doesn't realize she's in a horror movie, does she? I don't know. That'd be very meta of her if she did, right? <laughs> right. So if I'm hearing well, something bumping I mean, in, in my attic, I'm going to go have a look. But it's not her attic. Well, still, I'd be like, what's going on up there? So at this point, she's just being nosy. <laughs> hey, maybe she wants to clean up there. She's obviously not doing a very good job. She missed the garbage <laughs> on the stairs. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right. right. So she climbs up into the closet and opens the crawl space and is promptly dragged up into the crawl space. Right. Mm hmm. So we're done. She, Yoko's gone. No more. So well, what, what I'll say about that scene, and this is um, one of the things the director does very effectively in both this and the original movie, is when um, you know people are looking around, Danny introduces like the face of the woman or the young boy in the corner. Oh right. You know, I, I think those are very effectively shot. Oh, that that is one thing that I will say. Th this entire movie has some of the best atmosphere of any haunting or ghost movie you're going to see. I think it, it, it's very well made in that respect. Uh, the, you know, from the tightly timed out jump scares to just the intense amount of dread that the characters feel as they're being, I don't know, oppressed by this curse. I don't know if that's the right term or not, but you really feel it. Yeah. And Sarah Michelle Gellar in the movie is the queen of subtlety. <laughs> like, I don't think she even screams in the movie. I think you hear her gasp and then you just see on her face what she's going through. Right. And one thing I would also say, um, this is more like if I'm just sitting watching it i'll kind of realize it but as you know i'm writing notes down you know you look at it a little bit more this movie yeah. really really jumps around from character to character and different scene different scene and very quick short bursts it does you're never it's like a portmanteau of little vignettes of what's happening to these characters which is similar obviously to the first one too so although Sarah right. Michelle Geller is quote unquote you know the, the the protagonist it's not really based around her and she's not in it like 
like you would think. Um, like right. That that's true. That that is true. They do a very good job. So that was one thing that that sort of put me off from Juan initially was that I didn't understand the story. I didn't understand what was going on until the very end. Right. Um, where at least with this version, and it, it's probably got to do with the fact that I wasn't very interested at the time in watching foreign films, mm -hmm. so I wasn't following as t as closely as I should. Once I understand the dynamic and the relationships of all the characters involved, and, and I paid more attention, I appreciated Juan more. This, I actually understood when they jump cut to other scenes and other characters, what was going on. And, and I think I mentioned last week I watched the, the same director's, um, what's the director's name? Takeshi? Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. I'm sure I butchered that. Uh, but I watched his um, Suicide uh, Forest Village. And it's, I think I was talking to you last week, it's very like that. Like the first half of it, it's like, what is going on? But then the second half really ties everything up. So I think it's just a thing we maybe like to do. It, it's very unsettling and it does its job very effectively, I think. Right. I, I think it can be a challenge maybe for a regular average movie core. Right. Because they might get disinterested. Um, yes. You know what's going Going on, on on first watch right so at this point in the movie we get introduced to karen and doug so karen I, is is sarah michelle geller yeah um and doug is her husband matt bear i think uh, that's how you pronounce b-e-h-r I, I wrote down walmart ashton future <laughs> Well, funny story about Matt Bear. He actually was on a um, a TV show around the same time called Roswell, okay. where he played an alien that crash landed on Earth. Huh. I never really watched it, but I knew it. Was, I knew of its existence. Yeah. I actually don't mind his performance in it. Just whenever I first saw him, I'm like, wow, he really yeah. looks actual future. <laughs> but right. But but I will say, Sarah Michelle Gellar. This is another part where she shines like the chemistry, and you can tell it was mostly on her part because he was sort of milk toast. He was just bland. It could have been any guy in that role, and it would have been okay. Um, but I she. Think about Sarah. Geller, honestly. Well, that that's your opinion, and <laughs> you're entitled to be wrong. I don't I don't see what she did in this movie that a million other. Um, honestly, honestly, she was the box office draw. That's what she was in this but film. The name, right? But I don't. Yes, right. And you know, I, that's no fault of hers either. I no. think the way it's written and directed, again, she's not supposed to be this main character right. that we're all so focused on. She's just a part in it. One hundred percent. She's just the one that she. She's like the common thread that ties the rest of the stories together. That's all she is. Right. She's a plot device, yep. and that's okay. She she does it well. Mm -hmm. So we find out that Karen works at a care center with who? Who's her boss? Oh, that's our old friend Teddy. Teddy. That's Reed. right. Oh, oh, Teddy. Teddy shows up. And Teddy informs her that Yoko has not shown up for work today. Karen now has her first assignment. She's going to go help an elderly lady that Yoko is supposed to help. So an another, sorry, I, I'm going to keep on just interrupting you. <laughs> that's okay. That's, so, that's uh, what another, you get. So it's okay. Another thing which I think this movie does well in this one scene for um, SMG, um, but, yeah. but later on for the... Um, and I'll get to her name when we get there. The the original housewife or the wife that uh, moved in um, to the place where it's like... Oh, that, that's Clea Duval. So it's where they're like, okay, we're in a brand new country. We don't speak the language. And just that fish out of water. I, of and that was actually a point I was going to make when it came to the part where Clea Duval was, where they flashed back to Clea Duval and her husband. Is they, they do, they do a good job of making you understand that they are out of their element. Right. Like, but, I mean, no, not not going to jump around, but there, there's actually I, I bring that up once they they flash back to that couple. Right, and, and as somebody who's moved country, um, that was difficult enough, and I spoke English. I can't imagine, you know, up and moving to Japan where, you know, yeah. very 
very few people speak English. And I you used to speak English? <laughs> what happened? English English comes from England, Jim. Did you know that? <laughs> so anyway, so Karen winds up at this house, mm -hmm. and because we are the viewer, we know it's the same house that Yoko disappeared in, right? So she goes to check. She goes in. She starts picking every everything up. Well, first she sees the old lady. The old lady um, has fallen out of bed or off the mattress or whatever. So she picks her up, she puts her back into bed, and then she goes around, she starts cleaning. And she goes upstairs. She does not miss the garbage on the stairs. Just saying. I give her performance a 10 out of 10 just for that. Exactly, exactly. Thank you for agreeing with me on that. <laughs> so as she's going up the stairs to clean, again, she hears noises upstairs. Although not from the crawl space this time. She goes into a bedroom and finds a taped up closet. And coming from this taped up closet are the sounds of a cat. Right. So she, she does what any human being would do. She rips the tape down to let the cat out. Mm -hmm. So she opens the closet. She finds a diary. Well, we, grabs we, get, we get a jump scare, the cat jumping out at her at that point. Too. Well, oh, yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah, there is a jump scare I'm, there. But there's another one coming, too, right. where she picks up the diary. She starts thumbing through it. And then what does she see but a little boy mm -hmm. with a bandage on his knee? Yep. So she's understandably freaked out. She leaves the room. She goes and calls her boss. And she's standing at the bottom of the stairs talking to her boss. She looks up, and the kid's up there. She hangs up the phone. She asks the kid his name, and this is where we learn his name is Toshio. And, and at this point, she also finds a picture. Yep, that was my next note. She finds a picture. The picture is of the man from the beginning of the movie who committed suicide. Right, Mr. Pullman. Bill Pullman's character, yes. And also so, yep. a picture of a family, the kid that she just saw. With the mom's face ripped out, yes. Right. I, I forgot about that picture also. At this point, she goes back downstairs to check on the elderly woman, and she sees the elderly woman talking to herself. Mm -hmm. She goes over to listen, and the elderly woman says, it won't leave me alone. Yeah. I just want her to leave me alone, I think. That's what it was. Thank you. I just want her to leave me alone. So Karen is uh, understandably confused by this. And she's, you know, tucking her into bed and making sure she gets comfortable. And then Karen all of a sudden feels something on her shoulder. And there's this hair hanging down. She turns and she sees the face, the the, the infamous face from the, the movie cover. Right. At um, which point we, we now cut to... I'm sorry, sorry, let me interject. So um, there seems to be a thing with, um, I don't know enough about it. Maybe somebody can uh, educate me about Japanese ghost stories, girls, and hair. Hair seems mm -hmm. to play a big part. I don't know if it's some Japanese culture thing or, or something from legends or myths, uh, but that, that seems to pop up an awful lot. I, that, I, I don't have an answer for that one. Sorry about that. Well, uh, I mean, just let me know next week. <laughs> of course, I'll do my research for you, sir. <laughs> At this point, we flash back to a realtor showing this house. Mm -hmm. And he's showing this house to Jen, Playa Duval, and Matt, and a woman named Susan, who we will later find out is Matt's sister. Yes. The elderly woman is there too. She's walking around with them. As you mentioned earlier, she has dementia, so they're very careful about where she goes. Right. Um, so they're all walking around, and the realtor's walking on the first floor, and all of a sudden they realize the mother's gone. So they all go running around the house looking for her. Well, the realtor goes into the bit into the restroom where he sees the tub full of water. Mm -hmm. So he does what anybody would do and reaches into this black water to pull the drain stop, right? That's but what while he's, Well, of course, everybody would, especially if you're trying to sell a house. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> but at this point, he gets grabbed. Right. But not attacked, I guess you could say, because he lives. An arm comes out of the water and grabs right. off. But... There is one thing, and maybe you, maybe you can understand. The face that he sees, I never did understand if that was Kiyako's or Toshio's. I, I think it's Toshio. Okay, I, I just couldn't tell. From, from the quick glimpse you get of the face. And, and if you remember later in the movie, it shows Toshio dead in the bathtub. 
Yes, yep, yeah. that is true. So um, Jen, Matt, and Susan find the grandmother or the elderly lady upstairs in the room with the closet, just staring at the ceiling. And then we flash forward a little bit and Jen goes out grocery shopping. I think it's important to note though that Susan does not live with them. She lives in Japan, but she does not live with Jen, Matt, and their mom. Right, because that would be weird. Right, well, plus Susan plays a little more of a, a role later. Right. Um, and this is this is where we were discussing too, whenever she goes out shopping for food. Right, she, she can't read the language on the packages, so She's poking holes in it and sniffing it, trying to get an idea of what it is, you know, just trying to make her way. And there's actually a nice scene where she explains to Matt how how she feels like lost because she doesn't understand anything. She got so lost, you know, going out the other day and she couldn't find anybody to give her directions to tell her to help her. Uh, the days before GPS. I know, right? <laughs> and they did all have flip phones, though. So that was that was a nice little throwback. Jen is having ramen or as I call it, Raymond. And my and Ray loves to correct me on that. <laughs> is having some ramen noodles. She fell asleep on the couch. Right, and then when she wakes up, her she she ramen. heard a right. She heard a noise, and when she went to get up to go check on her mother-in-law, she saw her ramen spilled, and then she saw the little footprints in the water. Mm -hmm. So sorry, I had to read my notes for a minute. I got lost. <laughs> I understand, so I can jump in. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she sees a cat, but then she sees um, boy's arms grabbing the cat. Right. And then we cut to the husband, Matt. Matt comes home. He's walking through the house. He sees all the garbage everywhere. And he's calling out to Jen. He goes upstairs into their bedroom. And lo and behold, he finds Jen laying on the bed. And she's barely breathing. She's completely catatonic. Right. So he bends over to check her, her I guess, her, her breathing. At which point, he is confronted with Toshio on the side of the bed, who opens his mouth and lets out this cat scream. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Another thing which I think was uh, you know, very effective is the sounds of both Toshio with the cat scream. Yes. And then the mother with the... I don't, so that was that was one thing I, I thought was done much better in the original. Yes. Because in the original, in the original, it sounded more like breaking bones. And, and I thought that, that that sound when she moved was much more effective than the, the creak that you hear in this one. Right. So, there, so there's two things. She makes a... Uh, noise but they also have a noise when she's like going down the stairs and all right but I, I think they they I, I don't know why but for some reason in my head I I remember in Juwan that they used more of that that bone breaking sound than they did of that uh, and I thought that was much more effective uh. <laughs> yeah uh, okay so, so uh, we're at uh, the part where that uh, finds Jen barely breathing and then he he is attacked by Toshio right well, it doesn't show him being attacked, right? No, no, it doesn't. It it sort of jump cuts to uh, it cuts it cuts to black, right? So right. Toshio appears and then it cuts to black, right? And at this point, Sarah Michelle Geller's boss shows up. Mm -hmm. He he walks into the door just on the other side of the elderly woman's bed, and she's curled up in a ball in the corner. The old lady's dead, and everybody else has disappeared, right? And Karen is completely catatonic. She's not talking to anybody. Um, the detectives show up, and they start talking to her. They try to talk to her. She can't talk. She goes to the hospital. But as the police are, invest are, are looking around the house, they go into the attic. And what do they find in the attic, Mark? Oh. They find Yoko. No. No, go. No. They find Matt and Jen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And a chin. That's right. So I was yeah. partly right. Well, yes, you were partly right. They did find part of Yoko. Right, because she turns up later on, yeah. So at this point, we have Karen in the hospital, and her husband shows up, Doug. Uh, for some reason, I forgot his name for a minute. <laughs> and she... 
she explains to him that there was something in the house. She could feel it. She could feel something in that house, but she's not sure what exactly happened. And he explains that the woman died and that it was probably very traumatic for her, right? Mm -hmm. Now, while the police are, again, walking through the house, because I missed this part, they played a, a voicemail. Mm -hmm. or Well, it's not a voice, an answering machine tape message. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Message. And it's from Susan. She wants to know, she wants to check in with Matt and Jen and find out how her mom's doing and blah, blah, blah. You know, normal, normal family stuff. Right. So once we hear Sarah Michelle Geller tell her husband about the presence in the house, we cut to Susan. Susan works in an office building. She's calling her brother, Matt, leaving a message. Hey, call me back. I want to know how mom's doing. I just have this feeling. And then she decides it's time to leave. She starts leaving and she has an experience in the stairs. Right. And she sees something, not sure what. But we know it's Kiako because we hear the sound. Mark, you want to you pleasure us with that sound again? Uh... And she sees an arm coming up the stairs, walking up the stairs. But she also so, sees the lights shutting off from the top level so coming was, down. Yeah, and there's also a bit just prior to that when she's in the stairwell when her phone rings. And it's her brother, the guy they found in the attic. Oh, right. It was her brother's number. You're right. I did, I did forget to mention that. Then you hear that. Right. <laughs> and that starts the, the whole sequence, essentially. Right. Then she goes back upstairs to um, tell the security guard about right. what was happening. Security guard goes out to investigate, and she's watching the security cameras. Mm -hmm. She sees the security guard go in one room, and then he leaves and starts going down the hallway. Meanwhile, this figure... Shadow figure? What would you call it, Mark? Yeah, it, it's almost like a, like darkness that forms into a, a, a person's silhouette. It shows up on the camera, and she's like, that's it, I'm out of here. She books it. She goes straight home to her apartment building, runs in, and we see her taking the elevator upstairs. Mm -hmm. What do we see, Mark, as she's taking the elevator upstairs? We see various shots of the little boy um, kind of looking at her as she's going up um, in, in another good um, scene, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very effective in, uh, because you, you obviously know she's feeling some sort of dread. This is very good at explaining why she feels this way. Right. So she, she gets up into her room, into her apartment, and her phone rings. Mm -hmm. Who is it? It's her brother again. That's oh, right. But she actually talks right. to her brother this time. Yeah. And she gets to actually talk. Where is he, Mark? He's outside her door. That's right. He wants to come up so he can talk to her. Mm -hmm. um, so she rings him up, and immediately there's a knock on her door. Yeah. She looks through the peephole, and what does she see, Mark? She sees her brother. So what does she do? Like any other logical person, she opens yeah. the door, even though all this weirdness happened, and he just made it up, what, 16 floors in a matter of 10 seconds? Right. Oh, perfectly logical. So she opens the door. There's nobody there. Uh, yeah. One thing that um, we just have to mention real quick. So in her office space, when she's running out, she gets, like, her keys jammed in the door, and she has, like, a lucky rabbit's foot that um, gets ripped. That's, you know what? I did forget about that part. You're right. I forgot about that because, because that will play that will play up into this next scene. Why don't you explain this scene? So so this this is <laughs> I always find this funny. This is almost like a child's reaction. <clears throat> what she does is she climbs into bed and she puts the sheets over her head as if that's going to protect her. But you can see that there's something going on under the sheets. Jim, mm -hmm. what's going on? Oh, she has a visitor. Mm -hmm. She has a visitor. There's a, a lump that continues to grow and come up into the bed. So she lifts it. And much to her dismay, she sees Kiako. Right. At which point we hear the noise, Mark. Uh... And she is grabbed and pulled under the blankets. And scene. Right. So this is where we get these little vignettes, right? Right. It's, 
Terry Michelle Geller at the hospital. It's like a flashback to the family. It's like now right. the sister. Now we're back to SMG. And and as an aside, there's a book that was much like this that was turned into a very good movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen King. Oh. Um, it got turned into Silver Bullet. Yeah. So it and it was the book itself is much the same. It's just a bunch of death scenes, mm. a bunch of little vignettes that all gets tied together at the end. Right. So anyway, we cut. We now cut to Karen talking to the cop, right? Mm-hmm. And she tells the cop about the boy, and she finds out. Um, I, I kind of she finds out about. Um, she, she finds out about the dad family, the dad husband. Yeah. And, and, I, I kind of glossed over that. There's a, there's a there's actually a conversation between her and the cop, although that might have been a little bit later. Right. So so what happens? Oh, yeah, that's a bit later. Sorry. I, I thought I had glossed over it, but she right. She's talking about the cops. She finds out about the dead wife and husband in the attic. Right. And then we have a scene where the other cop goes into the room and says, Hey, can I have a word with you to the detective? Right. And he's like, Oh yeah, uh, for that house. They were the first family to live in that house since three years ago. So so basically saying, Well, they, you know, uh, the the lead cop knows what's going on because right. Ari knows about the house uh, because it turns out, and we'll get to this later, that they were investigating the original incident and then uh, the detectives that were looking into it disappeared. At this point, Karen is with Doug on a bus. Well, actually, she shows up at Doug's work right. and she tells him she doesn't want to be alone. So he goes in and he talks to his boss and he, they leave. They're on the bus and as they're driving, she's telling him about what, what she remembers from what happened in the house and she turns to look out the window and sees Kiako's face. Right. Jump scare. Yeah, there's some very subtle changes in the reflection, right? in the bus uh, window beside So her. she turns back around and then we cut to Karen taking a shower. And this is the scene most people are going to remember where Karen's washing her hair and then the hand comes out of the back of her head. That, that's Getting the extra conditioner on, on stuff in, in your hair, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, I'm sure it could be. But she freaks out, obviously. And then we cut. That That's all we get. Yep. Like she's home, she's in the shower, hand on her head. Now we cut to her boss. He, he's back at the care center, right? Yep. And he's walking down the stairs and he hears scrape, scrape, scrape essentially uh-huh. over and over again and so he starts coming down the stairs and he notices a woman walking towards him and like very very disheveled right and and she's she's doing a shuffle essentially but there's there's this wet noise accompanying her uh-huh. like, like something wet being dragged he recognizes the shape as yoko and he says he's calling out to her asking her if she's okay so she, before, sorry before he does this i'm gonna go on a little tangent here so okay you um, go on a tangent yeah so he he you know looks he he walks down the stair i think it's down the stairs or towards her and there's like a pool on the ground so he puts his whole hand in it and you know he looks oh, at yeah. him and it's blood one one trope that i hate jim in horror movies just one the, the, just this one just this you know, oh okay Okay. Mine. Have you like? I don't know why they always shoot scenes like this. So it'll be in a haunted house, or it could even be in an action movie or whatever. But they'll have a character and they're walking, and they'll they'll be stuff dripping from the ceiling, usually blood. Yeah. But it could be any sort of bottom crap. But but rather than doing what a normal person would do, which is step to the side and then look up, they just let it drip on them, and then they look straight up at it. Yes, I, I do. I do understand what you're talking about. So yeah. yes, I get that. Dear screenwriters that are listening to this podcast, please don't do that anymore. Well, because, you know, there there are a myriad of screenwriters listening to this podcast because they want to know what we think, Mark. Well, they're writing down our ideas. Of course they are. And they're writing down our concerns also that we voice because it's just that important. I mean, we're we're here to help. Oh, of Uh, course. Send send any uh, checks to our uh, address. So this is also the point in the movie where Karen goes on a fact-finding mission. Right. 
so this is kind of like the um the changeling right this is the investigation this is the unraveling of the mystery of what's going on hey mark tell me what does she what does she use to do her her investigating uh google no sir think of the times google was not no i know i just wrote down google because i just make very quick notes the internet yahoo <laughs> yes karen does her searching on yahoo to find out to do her fact finding right, she so finds she... out of toshio and his family's murder and and all of that and she also finds out about bill pullman's suicide right and the, the pullman character is still at this point a real mystery he is and and well, well we'll get to that point when we talk about the the flashbacks in the house but they, they sort of set him up a little bit as a red herring in my opinion <laughs> Yeah, again, I think until you see the very end and you get the whole story. You I know what I mean? Yeah, he probably doesn't need. Well, he does need to be in the movie, but you could have written a movie without him in it easily, right? Uh, but I, I do like that aspect because it's been a while since I've watched the grudge and i'm like huh i know he's involved somehow but i couldn't remember you know okay i'll, I'll find that because i knew the rest about you know the, the murder suicide well yeah i mean it, once you know you know you know you know you know you know right exactly so <laughs> she finds out of, she finds out about the movies now we cut back to the cop and what is the cop doing he's looking at the uh survey of uh, the security tapes right and this is the part i think they that was and I don't know which came first, but it, it's sort of reminiscent of The Ring, where the figure does coalesce on the screen, but it just keeps coming. Right. And, right. you know, right almost through the TV. And, all, you know, the last shot you get is just the eye. That, I mean, uh, and the very last shot of the movie is that same shot, which I, I, I feel they plagiarize that from The Ring. That's a, a more famous shot in the original Ringo than Juwan, and I think maybe they crowbarred that in a little bit. Um, remind me to talk about... Um, the sequels real quick whenever we get done our a sequel um i i wanted to make one point about it about the sequel also yeah it's maybe not the sequel you're thinking of but let's go ahead and we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah we're almost there mark we're almost there <laughs> yep so um so at this point karen decides karen goes home and she realizes that doug is not there mm-hmm. and there's a message on the answering machine where are you did you go back to the house i'm coming to find you right so karen freaks out and she hoofs it back to the house. Right. But when this she goes to the house, this part she comes she comes prepared this time though. Right. right? So, but but this the, the part about the boyfriend going to the the house it just seemed a little contrived to me. It was it was a hundred percent contrived. Yeah. That that was yeah. that 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 device was only there to get her back in the house. Right. Uh, and the only reason she's back in the house is to give you the rest of the story. Right. But he doesn't need to be there. Right, no, he doesn't. But this is where you she sees the past. She literally sees the past. Right. This is where you find out that um, Kiako was obsessed with Bill Pullman's character, right? Even though he had he had no idea who she was, right? Because she finds a bunch of photographs. No, she goes to the the wife of Bill Pullman. Right, right, um, and that's where she sees Kiako in the background of all the pictures. Yeah, yeah. You're right. We did we did skip over that part during her search, and, and that's when we have this flashback. Now, whether it's a flashback that. Uh, Geller is seeing or the audience is just seeing. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. No, she she actually interacts with Kiako's husband or or thinks she's interacting with him right. in certain parts. So it it is definitely something her character is seeing. Oh yeah, like she I, she I, follows I, 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 yeah. she follows Bill Pullman's character around for a little bit. There is and, actually- and it's like, it, it's like he's looking into her at times. Or there's even a, a scene where she accidentally touches him and he feels it. Right. So they are definitely interacting. Yeah, so we have we have the Bill Pullman flashback where he's getting a bunch of letters at its at his work. Obviously, it's Kiaka who's so he decides to go to the house 
I'm, and I'm, here he finds Tokyo in a bad way. Right. Like the kid is partially collapsed yeah. and he's beat up. But, right. And very hesitant. Like he, you see the bandage on his knee with the blood and yeah. he's got yeah. all these cuts on his face. He, he's been abused. You can tell. Um, and then he's walking through the house and he's, he finds it was the husband that hung himself because he hears the feet thumping against the wall. Right. And, and there's just a little bit before that where there's the uh, ripped up photographs. He does. He finds the photographs with the wife ripped out of all of them. And Bill Pullman's then looking at the window and the cat's meowing. Right. And then the kid opens its mouth and the meowing start darts. Right. And at this point, we find, we realize that they're all dead already. Right. You know, he he's walked in and they're already dead. Right. And at that point, where he's looking at the window and the and the kid is doing the cat's sound, we go again to a different scene. We go back to SMG, right? Well, I, actually, this is where the the story turns, and she sees more about what happened with Kiyaku's husband, right? Where where he beat them and and essentially murdered both of them, um, and then he hung himself. This is where the whole story comes together. She finally run. She goes to run back downstairs, and she trips over her her husband. And at this point, she's she's decided she's going to burn the place down. It's the only way to get rid of it. So Kiyako and no, all no, of her... I think you just skipped over a scene. Sorry, Jim. That's okay. Cut, cut maybe, me off. Maybe because there's no subtitles, but there's a scene where she is talking with a detective on the rooftop. And this is kind of the exposition dump there. Oh, the... right. Right, where he explains about the, about the house and everybody disappearing, yeah. right? Yeah, then, we did. Then he's talking about um, you know the the curse, um, right? Then you know it will never let you go, no matter right? What you do. Um, and that's when she that's when she goes home to see her husband and finds out that he's at the house, right? And let me just say, I love the nihilism of this movie. Yes, like, there is no escape, right? Exactly. There's there's no way to to end it. But she's decided she's going to burn the house down, so she brings the gas with her to to the house, right? Right. And at this point, Kiako is coming down the stairs at her in in the penultimate oh. scene. Sorry, the cop gonna... goes to the house, right? What's that? It's the cop that goes to the house. He's bringing. Oh, the, 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 yeah. He's bringing yeah the... Oh, that's right. That's that, that's the part I couldn't remember where how the gas got there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So, so so he goes there. Right. He, he this this is where we see Toshio um in the bath like submerged like his head right into it right and um then the, the kid ends up drowning the cop right right you're right because I actually that's one of the lines on my notes Toshio drowns him. Right, and now we go. Back. And this is where, like I say, it's very like back and forward, cut, 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 cut. Yeah. Um, then we go back to uh, SMG, and this is right. where she's got the voicemail from her from her boyfriend, and then she right. like like flips out, and this is <laughs> I'm like watching this, and like she's like running in the middle of the street, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> and, and it's not an athletic run either. It's a uh, it's it's a panic just flailing. Yeah, it's a Steven Seagal run. There yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I guess I'll I'll jump back to Karen at the bottom of the stairs with Doug in her arms and Kiako coming down the stairs. Um, meanwhile, the whole time she's still seeing what happened to Kiako, where her husband beat her and drowned the son, um, and then hung himself. Right, and, and all because I, all because he found Kiako's diary uh -huh. that said Kiako and whatever the professor's name was. I I'm sorry, but I don't remember whatever Bill Pullman's character's name was, Kenneth or something like that. Peter. Um, Peter. Kiyako and Peter. And then, you know, whatever. So yeah. he freaks out, which then gets repeated through all of the sequels. They just show you more and more of it. But anyway, um, so Kiyako uh, consumes, I guess, for lack of a better term, 
Doug, and Sarah Michelle Geller has grabbed a Zippo out of his pocket and throws it. So at this point, when the house goes up, you expect that she's going to die because you expect that it should, the house is going to burn down, right. right? And she's inside of it. She can't get out. But mm -hmm. lo and behold, because there's a sequel, she gets out. Right. So you want? do you want to uh, give away the ending, sir? <laughs> so... I mean, basically, we, we have the, the position where um, the boyfriend's dead, um, the cops... Husband. They're, hu they're married. It's are husband. they married? I, I they are. They are. It's her husband, Doug. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> so so the, the, boy, the husband's body um, is now in the, in the police station for some reason or something. But, like... I think it's a police station, but it might be like a coroner's office or something. Yeah, it's a it's a morgue of some sort or something like that, I believe. Because she goes in to identify the body or view the body or something. Right. The year is where we get the um, the, the, the kind of line that says, okay, you can have some more if you want. Where right. they say, we saved the house from right. Um And then we get uh, Kiaku behind her with a jump scare. Right. End and then scene. That, and then that end shot with like the Ringu eye. Right. Didn't really like so, um, before I talk about um, any sequel or sequels, um, how many scary little boys out of 10 would you give The Grudge 2004? Uh, I'm going to go with a solid five because I'm going to be honest, this movie did not age well for me. I'm going to give it a six. It's the sort of movie which, if it's on and I don't have anything else to watch, it's fine. But if I wanted to really watch The Grudge, I'd just watch the original. But it didn't annoy me like the Ring sequel or remake. So wow. See, I actually I enjoyed the Ring sequel uh, remake, but I haven't oh, well, seen it in probably in probably in anything. Well, I know, but I also haven't seen it in like fifteen years. So I mean, it, I could hate it now. Who knows? It, it stripped so much of the mythos of the original. I'm just like this. Is crap. This is crap. Yeah. Um. So. I think it's fine. Um, have you seen Kiako versus Sadako? I 100% have. That is the um, the pinnacle of uh, cheese, and it is absolutely beautiful. I thought it was a lot better than what it, what I thought it was going to be. Oh, I do agree. I'm not saying that it's not. However, it is a cheesy movie, and they embrace it, they love it, and they run with it. Right, right. I think it knows. So it doesn't go to the level of, like, uh, Freddy versus Jason where that's just, you know, self-referential no. mocking, but fun. This one's just kind of fun and a bit goofy in places. Right, exactly. It And it's done really well because there there is the same tone. They they, they try to take it seriously, <clears throat> but I, I think it's even evident in the writing and in the directing that this is over the top and they know it. Right. And... Um, so there, there has been other um, sequels. There's been, I think there's, I think I saw there's like a series on Netflix or Amazon or something, which I haven't watched yet. Um, for, for, for what? For Juon. Oh, like, okay. No, I haven't, I haven't seen it. So it's, uh, look it up. so uh, as I look it up, what are your final, do you have any final thoughts? So my only final thought about this was the the sequel. This was the first sequel that I remember um, where they killed off the main character in, in the very beginning. Because if you remember from the from the Grudge Two, Sarah Michelle Geller falls off of a parking lot, a parking garage. I don't remember the sequel. That that's the opening of the movie. Her sister comes to find her in Japan because she they had nobody's heard from her, and she's back in she's in the hospital, 
and Kiako is hunting her and she falls off a roof in front of her sister and la- like her body lands in front of her sister on the sidewalk. Yeah, I'd be the watch. I mean, it's I've just got basically no memory. I, I just to it. to me at that point that or at that time when that movie came out, that was a novel idea and I thought it was amazing. So that that's the only point I had to make. And there's the gr- Grudge Three. Yeah, that was garbage. That was straight garbage. That was a a, a purely cash tr- cash grab. That that's all that movie was for is, is to to uh to make try and make money. I don't think it was well done. I don't think it was well thought out. And I don't think in any way, shape, or form it should have been brought into the series. It was garbage. Straight garbage. And yeah, I haven't seen it. And then on the tenth anniversary of Juon, there was two sequels: Juon White Ghost and Juon Black Ghost, oh. uh, which were released um, both at the same time, uh, featuring two unrelated but also ill-fated families. And that's that's what um, The Grudge Three tried to be. It, it was not in any way connected to the original two movies, but it was the same curse. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, the curse is a curse, and they they kind of like say that. I'm like, right. you know, then most houses everywhere would have a curse on them because, you know, depending how old they are, there's probably nasty stuff happening in a lot of houses. Right. <laughs> so um, we, did not, we did not get any listener feedback on The Grudge. So there, there's nothing for me to report. But I did see that you volunteered Sarah, uh, Sarah Miley Cooper that I would I would uh, mention her feedback on, on the next piece of garbage we're going to discuss. Right. So, um, Jim, you and I can't be friends anymore. Oh, and why is that? Because, man, oh, man, you need to open up that cold, dead heart of yours and enjoy <laughs> life. And oh, enjoy I do enjoy life. life. I do enjoy life. And I think you'll, I think you'll appreciate my opinions on this movie. I really do, even though I did not like it. In, enjoy different interesting experiences. As soon Get as you introduce me movie. to one, I will. <laughs> Get out of the movie theater. Um, um, different uh exciting um inventive movies like 1977's house aka house garbage jim can you uh give us a, a synopsis of what goes on in house sure this is a story of six girls and this is japan right um <laughs> <laughs> that have decided they're going to go on summer vacation to uh, um the main character uh gorgeous is her name um to her aunt's house back in the village that her mother came from. Now, mind you, this is an aunt she's only met once, maybe twice, and she's taking her six bestest buddies to yeah. spend the summer. And and much enjoyment and fun is to be had. And lots of bananas. And, and bananas. And bananas. So you may have noticed, I, and I'm going to give you some interesting factoids about this whenever we kind of go through it. But um, so this movie opens with, um, what is the production company? Oh, God, I have no idea. It's Toho. So, okay. So Toho is a very famous Japanese um, production movie production company, best known probably in the West for um, their Godzillas. Okay, that's fair. They're I Godzilla. did not realize it was the same production company. Right, So right. First, first, I think it's a, it's important to say that this was, this was a, a first. This was supposed to be an experimental horror comedy, um, and it was one of the first of its kind in Japan. Right. And there's, there's an interesting story about it. You know how it was made, etc., um, which we can get into um, in a little bit. But it's just an experience, I think, watching this movie, whether you like it or not. 
Right. No, it is definitely an experience. And I will not say that I'm not going to say that I hated everything about this movie. There were some parts that were extremely entertaining. Um, there were a couple parts where I laughed out loud. And there was actually one point in this movie where had it ended, I would have appreciated it much more. But it, it just went it, it it just continued for too long, in my opinion. <laughs> it, to, to me, I mean, I think it maybe it. It didn't take too long. I think they could have uh, got to the house quicker. Oh no, I don't think it took too long. I think it it they dragged the story out too long, because there there was one point, and I'll mention it when we get there, um, where if they would have ended the the movie at that point, I would have been ecstatic. I would have loved it. Right. For, I mean, it, I, and, and almost talking about the story is missing the point a little bit. I think because this is not a movie with any sort of real linear make sense plot right this, are you this, kidding this is more of a fever dream of a movie i disagree i think there's a definite plot i think there's a definite progression of the story regardless of how ridiculous it is no i'm not saying it's incomprehensible but what i'm there, saying there's a very linear plot in this movie but what i'm saying is like, what is secondary to well what for you for you maybe about. For for you maybe you you might have been in it more for the experience and the experimental aspect, but I I I was in it to watch a movie. Well, it's, it's still a movie, but I know. But I'm just, I think I think we may have approached it in different ways, so, and it may be because of our our backgrounds in theater and 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 movies and that, and that sort of stuff. But I I didn't go into this looking for an experimental experience. I went into it trying to watch a movie. Right, and every movie we watch would be a movie, right? But I think there's different movies. So this this to me is very kind of art house, right? Right, um, and I, I would agree with that. It is very art, art house. Art house movies aren't really usually centered around the plot, right? Right. We have other things going on, which is what. Right, and this is this is very much about of the visuals. This is a visual movie. Um, they 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 put a lot of emphasis on color and sound and um, aesthetic. You know uh, that that's all there. So right. I, I do agree. Yeah. So so um, this one, this one, it, it kind of like even the first scene really sets you up for how this movie is just going to be a little bit out there, a little bit weird. Um, so can we before before you get into the movie itself, can we talk about the main characters and their names? So economy of writing, Jim, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't need to know their backstory because the backstory is contained within their name. No, no but I think it's worth noting um, the the six main characters. And their names. Well, so like the we, attributes, we, right? We first have Fantasy. What is she known for? Uh, being a daydreamer. Correct. We then have Mac. Mac likes to eat. Right. Then we have Prof. Well, you know, you know smart. And we know we know why she's we know why she's the uh, the intelligent one because she wears the glasses. Right, and she's called Prof. Right, and then we have Kung Fu. I wonder what she does. I wonder. This is the only name that didn't really make sense. Was Sweet. She was um, the one that liked to clean. Right. She, she's the one that's very kind-hearted. Yeah. And then we have the main character, Gorgeous. Gorgeous, right. Hmm. And she's, okay, our, she's our... Right. Or... For most of it. Not. So, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I just I, thought it was worth noting their names. That's all. Go ahead. Right. So, so even, even the opening shot, right? So, we have just this stylized, like, different colored photographs, right? That's what it looks like. 
And there's a pullback to reveal. It's just the girls taking pictures of each other. But again, you're already then set up to say, okay, well, there's, you know, a normal it, movie wouldn't shoot something like that. Like this is going to right. Be it, yeah, it, it's it's so picturesque. It's almost uncomfortable. Um, and you know, the, the girls are 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 enamored with one of the uh, teachers, Mister Togo. They're bananas Which, about him. Jim. Well, and and ha ha ha. That that'll make sense later, everybody. Um, <laughs> But th there's something very misogynistic that happens with Mr. Togo, too. So we'll get to that. <laughs> right. Um, so basically, we have Gorgeous, right? So um, she's uh, talking with her dad, um, who's just back from Italy. And, we'll uh, call him Mr. Gorgeous. <laughs> Mr. Gorgeous Dad. Yes. And um, he's like a, a, a composer, or he's writing... Um, music for movies which right a little, little fun factoid there whenever he drops in Morricone's name if you know who that is he's the gentleman that invented the wireless radio <laughs> no no um he's a very famous italian um composer he did a the, am i wrong did, did did not marconi invent the radio i don't think so sidebar <laughs> sidebar it wasn't i thought it was somebody more famous than that let's see so he, he actually he was recognized by the nobel committee for inventing the radio doesn't mean he did it but he was credited with it from the nobel committee anyway oh uh, that's marconi not mark yeah oh okay misspelling i i okay oh, pardon my ignorance I, that, 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 <laughs> I will let you off this 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 one time so okay. um Thank you so, so much. Gorgeous's dad, right? So he has a, a new girlfriend, Ryoko. And I always love, like, whenever she is in the movie. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's the all wind swept hair and the right. flowing scarf, and oh my God. And the slow motion. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 just, it's, like, it's just great. Um, great? That like, is not how I would describe that, sir. But, but it's just so fun. Like, because it's just like her. That, I, I wouldn't call it fun either. But anyway. Yeah, but you've got a cold, dead heart, Tim. So exactly. That's true. That is true. So we so we find out that, um, you know, eight years ago, uh, Gorgeous's mom died. So the new girlfriend is uh, going to be her stepmother soon. And she's not very happy about this. No. Um, so um, she was supposed to be going off on a trip with her dad. And she's like, no, you know, uh, I don't want to do that now. Um, so she decides she's going to write a letter to her aunt when a cat jumps in through the window. And let me just say, it was a great pick of mine to pick this with the grudge because we have the cursed house and we have a cat kind of the well, center. <laughs> but, but was the house cursed or was the aunt cursed? No, the, the aunt, aunt, I don't know how to say, the aunt was the curse. I, I say aunt because I grew up in New England. Yeah, well, my, my accent's all over the place, so whatever. <laughs> uh, weird. No, she is the one that has set the curse on. The so I would like I would like to point out at this point, since you brought up the cat, there are two people in this entire movie that have English names. Mm -hmm. The cat, mm -hmm. named Blanche, right, and Melody, and that's Melody. how they say her name, Melody. Right. Well, Prof. I mean, Prof is just. Short oh, I'm, professor, but yeah, that's, Mac, that's Mac. I'm like, okay, is that McDonald's? Is that was that a thing in Japan in 1977? Is that why they called her Mac? I don't know. I, I don't have a point of reference as to why she's called Mac, and I didn't know why her being called Mac would she, make she her the big eater. 
and That's they, they I could think of the aunt and the girls make fun of her for, for being fat several times, but she's not. No, no, I, and again, that might be like, well, I mean, it might be a cultural thing. Like she, yeah. she might be might have been considered fat for for you know where she came, you know where she names were all nineteen seventy seven Japan probably right. But but by my standards, this woman was not fat at all. <laughs> and here's a great you know, here's a great there's thing another about, go ahead. The great thing about this movie is that typically no matter what's going on in the movie all the girls are super happy all the time <laughs> yes i know all, it's like they're all stoned they're having a great time <laughs> they are and there's a lot of illusions in this movie or a lot of references to illusions like oh it must have been an illusion it must have been an illusion it must have been an illusion right yeah and, and <laughs> i i think i think some of that is also directed at fantasy right because oh yeah they, yeah but they don't call it an illusion with her they call it what do they call it oh i forget what they called it but they, they didn't they didn't call it an illusion they called it something else but yes a lot of it is but even um at one point the stepmom is there and she says oh it must have been an illusion when she saw something but anyway we'll get there go on oh, okay um so um so that that's what gorgeous is going to do now what were the other girls going to do for this i don't season? know so this is this is the weird thing with like the girls being like obsessed with Mr. Togo. They were supposed to go to Oh, the, to the training camp. Right, training camp that his sister owns. Well, his sister owned a bed and breakfast. Right, but she's having a baby, so they Right, can't. so that's not going to be open, which then because of that they can't go to the training camp. I don't know what that means, but yeah. So, um, so their plans are gone, but um, Gorgeous receives a letter back, I think the same day, from her aunt, and uh, the, the, the cat is on the mailbox. Well, she, she actually had already invited them before she got the response. Right, but, but I think it's the same day she got it. It, it is. the same day. It does. So there's one thing I want to point out about this cat. Every time this cat is supposed to jump, into somebody's lap or somebody's arms, you can see the shadow of the person throwing that cat. That's the ant. <laughs> oh, no, because at one point they're throwing her no, I, to no, the ant. No, I know. It's funny. It's like per cat is just like being thrown around. <laughs> no. <laughs> Projectile. <laughs> but again, uh, and, and it's almost like going over this plot. It, again, it, it kind of doesn't really speak very well for the movie because, you know, we... We have this next scene where it's like a musical almost. Yeah. And we have Mr. Togo. Uh, With the slapstick. What the hell was that? And the stuck, almost like stop motion where he falls on a bucket. And it gets yeah. On his butt. <laughs> and, you know, all the girls. So, it's it's like, I, I'm just random things happen here. Because the, girl, the girls are all did going. You notice, did you notice during the music montage that there's a random American thrown into the the line of men that they pass by? Did you see the the two cowboys? Cowboys, I can't speak. I did not. I did not notice the cowboys. <laughs> yeah, just as they were going to get on the train. Just like weird, random stuff like that. And by the way, Mr. Togo, I guess, was a very famous uh, country singer in Japan. Oh. The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. The more you know. Um, so you know they they're on the uh, they're on the train uh, and they're going and to. At this point, they're watching a film. They're watching a film. Well, yeah, because Gorgeous tells the story of her aunt. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, 
Well, yeah, that's while they're on the train. Right. So so when they get on the on the train, Blanche is there. Right. And and Mac has her bag of groceries because she's constantly eating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, whenever we were intro- introduced to Melody, she was playing a guitar. Right. <laughs> um, so so the cat is on the train and I, I'm not sure I'm not sure which one of the girls said it to Gorgeous, but she said uh, any old cat can open a door. Only a yep. cat can close the door. Yep. Um, which comes up later on in the in the movie too. Several times. <laughs> and you know, again, if you, if you look at the visuals of like their train journey, right? So you have like the backgrounds. <laughs> there are lots. There are lots of stage backgrounds, like painted right. stage backgrounds backdrops in this movie, all over the place, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's, and again, it's it, it, it's just so unexpected to. You know, somebody who's used to watching just normal narrative movies, right? I, right. My wife actually watched this with me. <laughs> she decided to watch I'm so it. sorry. I'm so I sorry was... you made her do that. No, she, she liked it. Did she? She Well, she liked some of it. She thought it was a little slow to get going, too. But uh, Well, she... yeah. <laughs> That's not an untrue statement. <laughs> but at the same time, I think a lot of this, like, he's talking about slowness, and even I felt a little bit, but there's still interesting things going on to look at for me. Well, yeah, there, there is there. Like I said before, there's a lot, a lot visually to take in with this movie. Yeah. And even the sound design where they have like mismatched um, soundtracks. Yeah. So you'll have like a real upbeat, happy song and it might be something like somebody's getting eaten <laughs> or whatever, you know, there's, there's definitely that. And, and this is now where we have the flashback, right? Right. Um, the um, aunt's boyfriend who's going uh, into World War Two, right? But what's interesting about this uh, too is with this flashback, the other girls are are kind of commenting on yeah. what's going on in the flashback. Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah. So so it goes back that the boyfriend promised to uh, come back to the aunt, uh, right. but he never came back. So. I'm still waiting. So correct me if I'm wrong in this scene, right? When when he's marching and she's watching from the side, the aunt's watching from the sidelines, did not weren't the girls at the back of that line? Oh, I didn't notice that. Because I, I swear and I could be misremembering, but I thought there was a cluster of them like running along with them. That like I knew there was the girl holding the umbrella. Mm-hmm. But I, I seem to recall like the girls were at the back of the line, like goofing around. Behind yeah. them, I, I could be wrong. That would not, but that would really fit in with this eclectic yeah. <laughs> filmmaking. Right. But then, but then the film dissolves literally at at the yeah. end of this scene. Right. Yeah. So, and there, and there's, there's different transitions and dissolves and different ways that they move from scene to scene too. Yeah. Um. So they say, okay, well, the aunt is just living there by herself. Um. I guess she gives out piano lessons. Wait, 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 you skipped my favorite part. I don't think I did, so. You did, because you're water, already talking about the ant. Watermelon guy? Yes. You're right, this is, that's at this point right here, right? So just okay. before they get to the house, we meet watermelon guy, and this guy is great. I love him. He looks like a watermelon. He's very uh, happy, and he loves his watermelons. Yeah, except he looks like a frog to me. Why does he make his face look like a frog? Like, he, he stretches out his mouth. And he even like darts his tongue out a few times. It's the weirdest thing. Because he's watermelon man. 
I guess. I don't watermelon know. Man can do whatever watermelon watermelon man wants. Oh, of course he can. They're his watermelons. <laughs> yes, and we will meet uh, watermelon man later. We we will, and we will realize what is his undoing. <laughs> right. So so now the girls are at the aunt's house, right? And uh, sure. we, we meet the aunt. She's in a wheelchair, and she has Blanche, right? Well, Blanche Blanche runs from Gorgeous and opens the gate. Right, and she runs in and, and gets into the lap. Right. Yeah. So it's so it's clear that Blanche is the aunt's cat, like right. So and you also notice like whenever you know frequently the cat's eyes <laughs> will flash low green when, yeah. when things are uh, uh, going. So so they get into the house and uh, they're like wow. Well, let's talk about the first time the cat's eyes flash. Right. Um, one of the girls is trying to take a picture. And the camera breaks. And the camera flies out of her hands after the, the cat's eyes flash and smashes on the ground. Yeah. No paparazzi for uh, Blanche. <laughs> no. So so we're into the house. And again, there, there's some wonderful uh, sets in the house, too. Yes. Um, and we have, oh, look at this beautiful chandelier. What happens with the chandelier, Jim? It attacks. Uh, it, it, it. Well, I guess some crystals go flying at the girls. But luckily... Kung Fu is there to save them. With her flying kick of death, she destroys the telephone. Thank fuck for Kung Fu. <laughs> right? <laughs> These girls would have been fucked without her, honestly. Uh, they would have been dead. But let's not forget the claymation um, lizard that got killed. That I was mean, the first death on screen. That, that Yeah, which uh, Blanche eats. Right. <laughs> Um, so, so they're in the house now, Melody, you know, spies a piano. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go play the piano. Um, and, and you'll notice that there's, again, like, so just different techniques that the director just like threw everything at this movie. Yeah, or, we'll, or they slow we'll get back to Melody and the piano. And, and, and they change the volume too, if you notice, like the volume goes up and down. Um, as it well. does. It does. But I didn't know if it was me or not, and I'm sorry to harken back to it, but did you notice that the sound in the grudge was very low uh, until the attacks? I noticed, at least playing here on my TV, it, it was extremely, like, the, the volume of, of speech was, was very subdued honestly, until, the, sure. until the jump scares. And I think I, it was intentional. That seems to be every movie from the last 30 years. Yeah. Where you to crank up the volume just to make out what they're saying. But then yeah. Okay. So, so it's not time. just me and my age. I'm glad to know that. Thank no, you. No, no, it's definitely a thing which is super annoying. I can't stand it. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, so they're um, they they go into the kitchen uh, because Mac has a watermelon, so she wants to put the watermelon into the fridge. Well, uh, first they accuse Mac of stealing the watermelon. Right, but no, she paid for it, and they're That's all right. very happy she... about this all the time right. <laughs> about everything. <laughs> They're happy um, about everything at every moment. Even when they're being killed, like they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Especially Melody. Uh, right. Yeah, she, she is super happy about that. But the fridge is out of order. Um, uh, but we'll get back to the fridge later. Right. Um, so um, so the, the aunt says, well, why don't you, you know, put the uh, watermelon in the well like it's the natural way you know the old right. way of um keeping it cool right 
So um, after a while, Mac doesn't come back. So well, fact, so yep. Go ahead. If no, I, I said yep. I was just agreeing with you. So um, Mac goes missing uh, for a while. So fantasy goes to look for her. Um, well, they did. They, fantasy doesn't go looking for her till after they've eaten. So right. they they've eaten and they want the watermelon because Mac went to get or Mac went to get the watermelon from the well. That's cool. when she disappears. And then the girls are now done eating and they want their dessert. So they go to uh, fantasy goes to look for Mac. Right. And um, what does she find, Jim? She pull, She is pulling up the what she believes is a watermelon. Turns out to be Mac's severed head. And this okay. is one of the funnier mo moments in the movie. Like I, I legitimately laughed out loud um, with um, the ridiculousness of this whole scene, and it was great. I thought it was so well done. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this scene where Mac's head bites Fantasy on the ass. Mac is obviously still hungry. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was hysterical. I, I loved this scene in the movie. Right, and and now we see that the aunt is able to walk. So right, we're starting to get the impression, well, Max dead now. The aunt. Well, so maybe she's getting some sort of energy. There, from... There's a little. I was going to say there's a there's a little bit of um, and and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of you, but where they're eating the watermelon, mm -hmm. and the aunt teases fantasy by opening her mouth with an eyeball in it. Right, and that that's really the next scene. Okay, so I did jump ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Well, no, it's the next scene, as in the, the next thing that really happens. Right. But they pull up the, they, they go out because Fantasy's like, oh, you know, it's Max's head. And they go out and they're all laughing, giggle, giggle. Uh, <laughs> and then they pull up um, what was in the well, and it's a watermelon. So they cut up the right. watermelon and they're uh, eating it. And as you say, and it's actually a very creepy kind of scene too, because it, it the because her face the, the aunt has a very angelic face. Like she she looks very wholesome until she starts doing these these really twisted things to these girls. Right, and uh, <laughs> yeah, she's having a good time too. They're all having a good time. Well, she is uh, now. Now she's really starting to enjoy herself because she's letting her she's letting her uh, her extra orifices uh, out to shine. So <laughs> I didn't think I'd hear that phrase today. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I you, Mark. So, so Mac, Mac's still missing, but they, you know, they, they kind of don't really care at this point. They're all still having fun. Sweet, being the sweet person that that she is, decides to help the aunt, and um, she's like scrubbing the floors, right? Uh, but she hears the cat, and she goes looking for the cat. And um, what does she find? Wait, I, I'm I'm totally lost on where we are because I was really expecting the fridge scene to come up next. No, th this is where um, Sweet goes in. She finds all the bedding. And then she finds like a creepy doll in the bedding. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. But now we go back because Gorgeous is uh, having a uh, bath. Right, right. Sweet, Sweet is looking for the bed, the bedding to make up the beds to make right. sure that the sheets are clean and stuff. Yes. Okay. You're right. I did forget about that. And now we, Gorgeous is having a bath. Um, and again, we have another scene with hair, right? So the hair right. kind of up on her. Um, Kung Fu is the family. She fights up the wood at this point. Yeah, so she kicks the ass of some uh, bits of wood <laughs> that are flying her way. And again, she's still having a great time. And she's big, and she she is the one that says, "God, it must have been an illusion." <laughs> yes. Um, now the aunt is like really energized because she's dancing. She's she up is. In the rafters, she's dancing. She's dancing with that awesome skeleton. Oh man! <laughs> when that skeleton started dancing as Melody was playing the piano, uh, I thought it was hysterical. Um. Uh, but we also see that the aunt is uh, eating a hand at this point. And she, 
Right. And she's, uh, she's still terrorizing fantasy. Right. Because uh, the next thing the aunt does is... Um, while they're I, cleaning the kitchen. I, I have to get there in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember right the second... Uh, it'll come to me as I go through my notes. Like, sure. She disappears into the fridge. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we... Gorgeous is higher bath, right? But she goes up and she's looking at different pictures mm-hmm. uh, in her aunt's room, right? Melody's downstairs uh, playing the piano, and this is where the skeleton's dancing behind, which is yep. just awesome. Um, but another great scene here is so gorgeous is putting on makeup. Um, you know, oh yes, gorgeous, and uh, and the mirror. This was a, this was a really trippy scene. Right. This this you know gorgeous's um, uh, we'll call it gorgeous's consumption. Right. That's what I called it. So so the mirror breaks and um, she breaks, right. <laughs> Very, right, very interesting visual, and then she ends up burning. Right, but but while she's dis- while she's burning or being consumed, she's seeing all these different scenes in the mirror. You know, her aunt's all of a sudden got fangs, and then you know her her image oh, yes. morphs into her aunt, and and a bunch of other little things that she sees. But and and that'll be important later. Right, and um, our next couple of scenes again, they're, they're very back and forth, kind of kind of like yep. the rich too. Um, Melody's playing the piano, and the, p- the piano bites her. Right. Um, then we go to Sweet, and she is being attacked by what, Jim? By the bedding. By the bedding. Can you imagine? She's being attacked by mattresses. <laughs> um, but um, so let's see. Okay, so Sweet. Um, so they go looking for Sweet, right? And uh, they can't find her. Um, right. They, they do find that creepy doll in there. And they do find they do find her panties, her bra. Oh. Her her uh, her dress, but they do not find her. And they they do smell her panties. They do, they do. As you do, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I find a pair of underwear, I definitely sniff them every single time. And in Florida, there's lots of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so anyway. this, this, is, <laughs> this is a part where they're starting to. Um, they're starting to like freak out a little bit, even though they're still having. Hang on, hang on one second, Mark. Mm-hmm. I got feedback again. Go ahead. Um, this is the part where uh, they're starting to freak out, even though they're still having a great time, and um, they have you know this uh, again a movie like um, scene where Mister Togo is coming to save them. Um, on right. This- so that's that's the misogynistic part, right? Because as these girls are running around. And and they they realize that they're screwed at this point, because the 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 whole tone of the film changes while they're in the house at this point now. So they know they're in trouble, right? And they're not they're not happy anymore. Well, they're, um, still, they're still pretty happy. No, I, I think at this okay. They go from so completely giggly and happy to scared to giggly to happy <laughs> back and forth. Yeah, well, yeah, that is true because they do they do still giggle and laugh, but the tone of the film has changed now. Everything is darker. Right. And at this point, they're they're running around and they're saying, "Let's call Mr. Togo. We need to get a hold of Mr. Togo. He's a man. He'll save us." Right. Well, isn't isn't that true, Jay? Uh, I'm not saving him, <laughs> and neither's Mr. Togo. But again, the, the, this because is he's bananas. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is parallel uh, to the the aunt and her. Uh, boyfriend right so right there she's waiting for the boyfriend to return they're waiting for mr togo to come save them right uh, and again that's maybe a cultural thing 
Um, Maybe. I mean, it's, it probably was a cultural thing uh, in the U.S. in the 70s. <laughs> and it's possible we were, we were mere babes then, so uh, we, right. we don't understand that perspective. Um, so they find Gorgeous, and they have, like, some staggered shots, right? Uh, they're, they're going to go... Um, but, but she's not behaving normally. No, and, and again, that's done with some of those staggered shots, and she's not talking, and, and she's not... And, and the boobs. They, they do show her boobs. Well, yeah. Once her top comes off, she starts being, being all kinds of weird. Like, don't make it weird. Just be naked. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? Yes, please. <laughs> but they, they, they uh, Gorgeous goes to the phone and says it's out of order because uh, she was going to call the police. Uh, right. But this is where the house now locks them in. Yes. So the doors slam and the windows slam. Again, all in a kind of fun stylized way too yeah it's a very it, the, the entire thing becomes kind of fun house at this point right and, like uh, it, it, it's like fun house gone bad essentially yeah and, and we also have a scene of gorgeous who's outside because she says she's going to go get help i was very but, but yeah she is outside doing what um so there's very dreamlike song playing and she's juggling balls of light and thank you she's juggling at this point she's juggling in case she's you didn't a, understand that. She's not a juggalo, but she's juggling. Oh, my God. Did you really just do that? Hell, yeah. No, insane clown posse in the house, apparently. Uh, so now we have, uh, again, back and forward, back and forward. We have Mr. Togo in the street. So it goes right. from this very bizarre, surreal um, scene to him in the, in the street with the traffic, and he's in his little buggy. <laughs> and plus is trying to get him to move because he's the problem right <laughs> but uh, back to the house uh, Kung Fu is going to solve it she's going to start kicking the doors uh, but right. that, that doesn't work so the professor, no. the professor figures out or prof that uh, it must be some sort of security security device right. so, so what, what is the ultimate what, what is the this is the best plan ever made what is their plan Mark what, what do they decide is the best course of action? To go ask the aunt to open the doors. Exactly. Thank you. Makes sense to me. Pure genius. <laughs> um, so this is uh, the next scene. They find Mike's hand in a jar. Yep. Um, Melody um, is, they, they tell Melody because they're scared to, to go play something on the piano because that will make them feel better. But and she's afraid because the piano bit her. Right. But if... Every time she plays the um, piano, the metronome's going too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in this next scene, we have the prof, the prof on Kung Fu, and they're talking from either side of the piano, and the camera swings from side to side uh, mm -hmm. for each of them, like the metronome. Yeah. yeah just very, you know, inventive. Um, so uh, they just is what I'd call it. Not inventive. Obnoxious. It, that, that, that annoyed the crap out of me, the swinging camera. Oh, my God. Well, that's because you've got a cold, dead heart. <laughs> I know. I know. You, you keep saying that. I, I believe you brought it up in the first place. Um, <laughs> just reminding you of your own words. Um, well, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, the prof and uh, Kung Fu go upstairs looking for Gorgeous. So Gorgeous is now in like a geisha uh, get up. It's her wedding. It's the wedding, the wedding get up. Yep. And um, again, back down with Melody on the piano. And this time, what happens to Melody in the piano? 
she gets eaten by the piano. So it starts off with her fingers. Her fing it, it doesn't just bite her. It it takes off her fingers. Right. And she starts laughing about it. Mm -hmm. And then she puts her hands back down, and this time it takes off the whole hand. Right. And then it just starts to, you know, essentially swallow her. Right. And there's blood and there's arms and legs. <laughs> this is this is very I one hundred percent believe that with this particular scene, the acid or the the director had dropped acid. That's the only thing that could explain the scene at all. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of the most famous scenes in the movie. It's it's ridiculous, <laughs> and it's terrible. I, but it's, I digress. It's a lot of fun. Um, so uh, Prof and um, Kung Fu, they're they're looking um, around. They find a journal. Um, yes. After they find the journal, they, they um, find a grandfather clock, and Sweet is trapped in there. Yes. And Sweet gets killed in there somehow. And um, now you just see like the blood um, right. going up where the pendulum is, et cetera. And Prof can't believe it. This can't be real. This can't be real. Right. It must be an illusion. <laughs> That's um, my new mantra. It must be an illusion. That, that that's like every Monday morning. That's what I think. Yeah. This this couldn't be real life. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have chosen this. <laughs> so um, we also have a, a, another fun scene of, uh, and I'm going to use the word disembodied disembodied a lot going forward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Melody's disembodied fingers playing the piano. Yes. Um, and it's just the fingers. No, no like other part of her. Just her fingers dancing on the keys. Uh, we now go back to Mr. Togo, and he's eating noodles. And who's in the background, Jim? Do you remember? I do not. There's a bear, but it's oh, right that's right, the bear. Yes, I'm sorry. I did, I did, that did grab my attention because it was moving and interacting with them. It right. wasn't just a stuffed bear. No, it wasn't a stuffed bear. No, it was no. It was one of the the characters. Um, I know. <laughs> so, uh, Prof and uh, Kung Fu decide they're going to try and barricade themselves, um, and uh, the prof starts reading the journal. Next, we get this really cool scene of Gorgeous's huge head <laughs> just coming <laughs> into the scene. Yes, yes. And she, she's saying, "I'm in my aunt's world." Right. Yes. And and here's where we get, as if we didn't really gather before, but the the aunt that died many years ago, and um, she her body just she basically eats young unmarried girls. Which is why there are none left in town. Right. Which is why she was so eager for her niece to show up with her six friends. Right. And at this point, like the whole like the whole set, it just everything's going crazy at this thing. Things are just flying around. Yep. Um, the blood hasn't started yet, right? No. So Kung Fu decides um, that, uh, okay, Gorgeous, well, she was probably lying because it was like she was possessed about the phone. So she goes to uh, try to use the phone. Uh, the phone strangles her. Yeah, uh, the cord. It tries, uh, to. it tries to. She gets away. But you know, it's kung fu. Yeah, it's hard to beat kung fu. Although she it is, it's hard to beat kung fu. <laughs> so, so we have Mister again inside the house, outside the house. Mister Togo, he's driving around his buggy. He's trying to look for the house. He can't find it. Right. Um, There's no house out here. <laughs> now we have a scene where kung fu and gorgeous are fighting, and again, uh, gorgeous is in that um, wedding geisha outfit yes um and 
then we we move in and I think after Prof has been uh, reading the journal, etc., um, they figure out it, it's kind of the cat is doing a lot of this, right? Or the right. cat is controlling it. Um, so she's getting uh, Kung Fu to um, get the cat. But before she can, the light fixture. <laughs> yes. Um, so she is swinging from the <laughs> with her head stuck in the light fixture from the right. Scene. And, you know, she's trying to kick or whatever. And, uh, you know, we get some real surreal scenes here with the arms and legs. Uh -huh. uh, Kung Fu's disembodied legs fly out. And it actually kicks a, a painting of the cat who was in the yeah. uh, background. Which what is where we get the first glimpse of the movie poster with, you know, it turns into that cartoon screaming cat thing. Right. So let, let me say this about that, okay? If the movie had ended here, I would have been 100% in. If that had been the end of the movie, I would have been bought and sold with love this movie. It would have been worth the 4.99 I had to pay to watch this shit. <laughs> you know, but alas, we don't. So please continue, do, sir. Do you like movies at all? <laughs> I I do. I do. Well, you pick you give like a 5. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I explained my my 5 is because it has not aged well. You picked it. You could have picked. I did. You could have. But picked, I, I, in my defense, my mother's the one that suggested it. Uh, oh, throwing your mom under the bus. Yes, yes, I am. Because I even told her after I watched, it, I said that movie just did not age well, Mom. I, I don't know. <laughs> you have this thing about movies not aging well. I do. I really do. Yeah, you do. It's it's a theme. It is. Oh. Maybe maybe it's because I'm not aging well, so I I just hold everybody else to a higher standard. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, we're, oh, okay. So we're at the, we're at the part where um, Kung Fu. The house food. starts filling up with blood. Right. So blood flows from the mouth of the cat painting. And the floors start to open, right? Mm -hmm. And so that leaves, um, who have we got left? We've got. Fantasy. We've got Kung Fu and we've got Fantasy. No, no, Kung Fu's dead. Fantasy and Prof. Oh, so it's just Fantasy, yes. No, fantasy and Gorgeous. No, Fantasy and Prof. Oh, is Prof is still around? Oh, my God. No. Because there's, okay. there's two on, yes, because there's two on that, like, floating. Right, yep, you're right, on on, on the uh, Titanic door, yes. Um, they, they could fit two on there, but, you know, they couldn't in Titanic. Anyway. Right. <laughs> And they're talking about, uh, they're, like, they're now they're like, oh, Mr. Togo promised to come. Um, right. So, you know, Fantasy was saying. Um, but then Prof says, yeah, but he didn't promise the house that he'd come. Right. So, again, this is more about, again, the, what happened with the aunt. Um, and now, Jim, I, I will open the floor for you. <laughs> so. I, I, I would like to hear your explanation and... Um, we go next scene of uh, Mr. Togo and Watermelon. Right. So we we go back outside the house, and Mr. Togo has found Watermelon Guy, and Watermelon Guy is trying to sell him fruit. Well, what fruit? Wait, wait, wait! I'm getting there. <laughs> He's asking him what kind of fruit he wants to buy because uh, Mr. Togo does not want watermelon. What does he say he wants? He wants bananas. Oh, I agree. I, I do agree. I'm not a big fan of watermelon either, and I do love some bananas. However, at this point, watermelon guy dies because apparently bananas are his kryptonite. 
Right. I'm not sure. You, Jim, did did you not know? Never say bananas to a watermelon guy. <laughs> I know now. Uh, unless you want him to turn into a, a ball of light. But also, if you say bananas to a watermelon guy, what happens to you? Well, do we do we want to jump ahead that far? Well, we yeah, I mean, we, we can okay. spoil that that, that we'll, very. We'll end. split. We'll split. So, Mister Togo goes up to the house, and he starts violently shaking in the seat of his car, and then we cut. We don't know what happened, and a little bit later we will uh, zoom back in, and there's now a giant mound mm -hmm. of bananas with Mister Togo's hat on it. Right. Unfortunately, uh, Mister Togo became ha has bananas literally. <laughs> awesome um okay so we'll, we'll we'll go back into the plot where we're okay so we have a professor she's trying to uh read the journal her glasses get knocked off um into the blood water um mm -hmm. and she gets dragged in by what i can best describe jim as a like a jar with teeth it's yeah like, i couldn't i couldn't explain exactly what that was either i i really had no clue yeah, I, I thought it was like you know uh, the, what you know back in the day they had milk stored in like like the metal thing. It, it kind of looked like that to me. I don't know. Okay, but I I, I don't know. So um, Prof gets in there and apparently she gets stripped <laughs> underwater. She um, does. We get but, a lot of um, a lot of boob in this third the third act of this movie. But maybe it's because she's dissolving because. It, there, there's interesting again visuals about her in the blood water and then her dissolving so uh, we have fantasy who's still floating um, right and gorgeous comes down the stairs uh, but tits it kind out of, she comes down of, the stairs tits out let's not right. forget but it kind of flashes between her and the ant right right so back and forwards um, and uh, gorgeous basically uh, gets fantasy and fantasy is like I don't remember what, exactly what she said it, but it's like, oh, mom, thanks or something. It's like, right, right. Know. Um, so now, um, who? Yeah, who turns up now, Jim? In slow motion. Uh, I, I called her stepmom. I didn't know she yeah. was just a girlfriend. Yeah, I think she was going to be the stepmom. Yeah. So stepmom shows up in all of her slow motion glory. Right. But what does she find when she shows up? She the house is no longer decrepit. Right. It's beautiful with lush greenery. Mm -hmm. And she walks around to the side of the house and out walks gorgeous in her kimono. And she says to her would-be stepmom mm -hmm. that all of her friends are sleeping, but they'll wake up when they're hungry. Right. And, and I don't know if you notice as well, whenever gorgeous was opening the doors, um, the big sliding doors, the way she was walking too, very geisha-like. Mm. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that's an important line. They'll wake up when they're hungry. And, yep. then, and the stepmother burns. Yes. Because again, unmarried. Right. So another victim to the house, just like the grudge. And another victim to this movie. <laughs> so, um, Jim, how many scary cats out of ten would you give Hausu? Two. Hausu is a seven. I'm sorry for you, but you're entitled to be wrong. Shall we have a look at the IMDb scores of Rotten Tomatoes? Let's see. IMDb. Oh, here we go. Hausu. Well, 
You know, just because a lot of people say it's good doesn't mean it's good. Um, I'm uh, just so going to... What, what do you think it is on IMDb? Which one? How Sue? Yeah. I'm going to go with 7.9. 7.3. Oh, I was close. Let's see. And what do you think... While I'm looking up, what do you think it is on Rotten Tomatoes? I have no idea. I don't even know the scoring. It's out of 100%. I'd go with 60. Um, so from the critics, it's a 91%. And from the audience, it's an 80%. You know why? Because they're all on Coke. Well, that, uh, I mean, Jim, you could have procured yourself some Coke. That's easy for you to say, isn't it? (laughs) Can't even talk today. Um, Okay. So I, so here's the thing, right? So I feel like I've introduced you to some very different movies that you would you you had, okay so let me just say this right even though i may not have have thought it was a great experience i did enjoy watching it because i've been opened up to to some things that i probably would not have seen right i, I do appreciate that aspect and there were some really enjoyable parts to this movie but on the whole i did not enjoy this experience right and and that's and that's fair enough i mean right some of these movies might be my favorite movies. I might like them. I'm not going to pick something which I hate because I don't right. see the point in it. But I, it's, it's even more for the audience and uh, you know, and other people that maybe aren't you know nerds, <laughs> are nerds <laughs> that that there's other stuff out there. Just give it a try, right? Because right. Um, and you never know because I mean, so I, I'm not a big fan of. Well, I can't say I'm not a big fan. Right, I had not, I'm, I haven't been exposed much to foreign cinema, mm. but there was one movie I tried just out of the blue. It was a French movie called Amelie. Mm-hmm. That was one of the funniest movies I've seen in a very long time. Right. Like I, I laughed harder in that movie than I have in probably 10 years. And my favorite horror movie is a foreign horror movie. Which one? I don't think I'll say it yet. Okay. Maybe I'll wait till it you know, oh, I already know what your favorite horror movie is. Well, don't say it. For the I won't. I won't. Know, we, we, we already have the conversation. But I'll, you know, whenever you make a pick uh, that seems thematically somewhat aligned to it, I'll I'll have that as mine. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I, I have not. Okay. I, I have not seen that movie. That, and I think that's where we started this conversation when we saw each other at Spooky last. Right. I think that that's when it came up. So yeah, so again, this this is about more just diversity, I guess, and like looking at and it is, and like I said, lesser known, and I might start picking some older movies too. Um, yeah, and my my mother even asked me about that this weekend. She says, "When are you going to pick some of the old?" You know, she mentioned uh, one of her favorites, Mark, that you mentioned last week, The Entity. Yes. Now see that. Now that's. <laughs> I wouldn't really call. I mean, it is old. But whenever I say old, you may be looking back to the 1920s. Oh, yeah. Um, like the Nosferatu and, and yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, maybe some of those will sprinkle in. Um, I, I think I've picked foreign for three out of the four. Um, although you, you might want to call the change in Canadian. <laughs> well, and I, so like the, the, um, the last shark and the changeling, I would not connect, I would not consider foreign films. Oh, no, no. I, I, the, I, last, the last shark is very much an Italian movie. Right. And, and I get that, but it was still in English. And I, by, when I, when I think foreign, I mean in, 
you know, like the devil's backbone that's, you know, entirely in Spanish or Pan's Labyrinth or you know, something that's in an, an entire foreign language, not one that's been dubbed or um, so or is, is done by Italian filmmakers so would you or, think, or other film, other countries, filmmakers, but still done in English. Would you consider like Suspiria a foreign film? I've never seen the original, so I, I can't uh, say. You might certain. have seen it, but things like Cannibal Holocaust, would you consider Never that? seen it. Uh, <laughs> would you consider, let's see, um, I'm trying to think of something which is English language that you might have seen that's very much a foreign movie, um, like any British movie, English. Uh, movie. I, I, I love the old Hammer movies. Would you consider them foreign? No, no, I would not. So you only look at the language. You don't. I do. I and and that that's probably is my downfall. I I do I do base that strictly on language. Um, that's your own classification. And... Right. I mean, it is it is what it is. But you know, like I that that's like saying that the, that movie. And I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a movie called The Asphinx. If that's how you pronounce it, A S P H Y N X. The Asphinx. Yeah. That that. Again, it was an English film, but I would never have classified it as a foreign film. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like Dario Argento, right? Very famous Italian director. Right. So like he, right, he, Demons he, 2, because it was not in English, I would have I would classify that Demons as a foreign 2 film. It is in English. Is it? Yes. Holy crap. I lost then I'm lost because I don't remember it being in English. I've only seen it once though, so I love Demons One and Demons Two. Um Lamberto Baba. But again, those those are and you'll find like a lot of Italian, especially maybe some Spanish and French, whatever. Um, right. They'll, they'll have it English language because they want to market it to like the U.S. Right. So they don't want it to, you know, to have subtitles and this and that. But they're very much they're shot, made, financed, everything. And a lot of the actors might not even be speaking English, and they're being dubbed oh. over. Oh, so let's. So I'm sorry. I, I had a little bit of a, a trivia for How Su, for mm. your movie. Mm-hmm. Did you know that other than the actress that played Gorgeous, um, this for m- many of the cast they were first-time actors. Yes, I did know that. Here's yeah, I the, a nice little piece of trivia that I read. Well, you might have read the same um, articles that I did. So, do you know um, the writer who ended up being the director also, um, Toho? Um, actually wanted him to write a movie along the lines of what American movies? Uh, that I, d- I did not read, so I don't have any clue. So it's 1977. What was a very famous American horror movie a year or two before that? Um, the Exorcist? Jaws. Uh, when, did, what year did Jaws come out? 75. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I, thought it was, I thought it was 78. Oh, wow. I did not realize that that movie is older than me. No, you have to remember that... Jaws 2 Jaws two was 78. That's Jaws, where I got it confused. Okay. Jaws was the first big summer blockbuster. And yes. then two years later, it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. I, guess, I guess they had uh, initially approached him to do some sort of Jaws-ish Okay. Um, but yeah. He, I, I guess he um, talked to his daughters and he wanted something more. He thought like normal movies were boring. 
Right. Uh, so he was talking to his teenage daughter, and they came up with a lot. Of, she came up with some of the ideas, like the piano biting um, melody and things. Like so, that. so he. Leaves, I have I have to say this about that 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 scene where Melody gets eaten by the piano. Essentially, it, it just went on for far too long. Like it it was just so overdone. And that part where they had her in the green screen to look like different pieces of her body were floating everywhere. Love it. it was just too much. Love it. <laughs> All right. I think we have beaten these dead horses to death. Um, oh, yes. 100%. So do you have anything else you watch this week that you want to talk about? Um, I, I don't think there's anything I've watched. I did read a book. So I found this author, believe it or not, on TikTok, um, Andrew Franks. And he was, he was promoting a, a, a book that uh, one of his books, it's called Pray Without Ceasing. And it is a coming of age religious horror story. It's about a young boy whose family, um, his father's a preacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without giving away any spoilers, they, they go through some very traumatic experiences. Um, I know he's already working on the sequel. I have to say, um, you could tell um, Andrew Franks used to be a preacher. So you can tell that a lot of this was based off his personal experiences and it really resonated through the story, but it didn't overpower the human aspect. Like it wasn't too religiously heavy. If that makes sense. I, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, so it's almost like the, um, what was that recent series by the guy? A lot of people loved it. I thought it was pretty good. It was religious based. Uh, let me look it up here. Uh, yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. So Netflix horror Oh, you're talking about Midnight Mass? Right. So is it some like that? Somewhat? And not really. I mean, the, the religious the religious part, yes, it plays a heavy. It, right. it is very heavily um, ingrained in the story, but different thematically, it's a bit different. Yeah. I, I just, and and there, I mean, there are legitimately parts of this story of of the story where I was uncomfortable because it it is it is a coming of age story and it does explore topics that I, I don't know. As an adult, I, I sort of feel even though I went through some of these same experiences, it still made me uncomfortable to hear about somebody else going through them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it it was very effective in that manner. The only the only criticism I have of the book is that um, it, it's a bit short. You know, it, 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 it's not, it, it, I think the audiobook was only a little over two hours. I enjoyed it so much that I wish that it was longer. Right. So it's like a novella almost. Yeah, exactly. So you loved it. Um, your score two out of 10 is, is this how we're scoring things? Jim? No, 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 no. Because I did say <laughs> four, this would be, this would be, this novella would be a solid seven. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, definitely one of the the cooler things that i found on tiktok rather than those stupid dance challenges oh by the way though let me say this about that we are on tiktok a's and b's of horror podcast yes, in case anybody's like, interested go tiktokers and do whatever you do with those things that i don't know go, go give us the views and the follows the, the views and the follows peeps that's right the old talkers um other than that um i'm keeping up on what we do in the shadows i i love that show mm-hmm um, and that that's really it that I can think of off the top of my head. There were some trailer drops. Did you see them this week? Uh, I have not. I don't think I've seen any recent trailers. The most monumental one that I've seen was the Spirit Halloween movie. Oh, I'll have to look that up. With uh, Christopher Lloyd, right? Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook. Oh, 
But I will say this, they do give it away in the trailer that Christopher Lloyd is in like five minutes of this movie. Not chalked. Yeah. But it, uh, it does it it looks like a good video rental, essentially. It it's not gonna be a big blockbuster or it it's exactly what it's gonna be. It takes place in a spirit Halloween store. Yeah. So it it and it's exactly that. I it looks charming. It looks like it, it looks like it could be fun if it's well done. I, I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it probably will also, but I have hope. Jim, you'll love it. Two out of ten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what about you, Mark? What did you watch and or listen to this week? Yeah, I got a few things. So I'm up to the third, just finished the third episode of Resident Evil. Yeah, I could not keep up. I watched one episode and that was it for me. I I actually, yeah, I thought the first one was the weakest and... Um, it, I think it's got generally a little bit better since then, so um, things have been moving along a little bit more. So it's all right. Okay. It, it's just something. But you don't do TV shows, so what is what's the deal with that? So it just depends. If I can get past like the first episode or second, well, first of all, I have to be interested in the concept, right? Right. Okay. Um, if I can get That's through fair. the first couple of episodes, and if it's not like a super long series, I can I can get through that. Okay. Awesome. Uh, speaking of series, uh, Miss Marvel, which I, I have not not even started that. Which was a series I wasn't particularly interested in, just because the trailers kind of made it look more like it was aimed at teenage girls. Right. Uh, but it's actually really good. I'm like three or four episodes in. It's actually really really good. Now this one obviously got review bombed because. She's Muslim. <laughs> so some, some people will just say this is terrible. But that's the character in the comic books anyway, so I don't know what they were expecting. But yeah, I was actually I'm actually very surprised at um how how really good it is. And uh, I think again Marvel's uh done a great job in its uh TV series. Uh the only other thing to bring up, um, you like shark movies, Jim, right? I do. Have you seen the reef? No, I don't believe I have. Uh, the Reef is actually, um, I thought, so with shark movies, most shark movies, it, if there's a thousand shark movies out there, uh, there are 95% shit ones. Right, that is true. Um, the Reef, I thought, was in the top 5%. Okay. Um, and what about it did that for you? Uh, the way it's shot... Um, just setting it, it it's not like a crappy sci-fi channel shark movie um, right it's similar to but better shot um open water okay i did enjoy the first open water that i thought that was a great concept right um i did not enjoy the sequels i thought it just got played out too much um i, I mean I how, to... how many different ways can somebody get lost at sea so so part two was just a dud, right? They, they jump yeah. off the boat and they forget to put the ladder down. And right. No sharks or anything. I don't really see the point in that. The third one I thought I heard was pretty good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I, I gave up after watching about 30 minutes of the second movie. Right. So I've heard some good, like, su people are surprised because part three was good. So I have to catch up with that whenever it's on some streaming site summer free. Yeah. Um, but The Reef, definitely check it out. Um, I, I thought it was really good. Um, so 
they had, I just noticed today, Shutter had the reef stalked. So that's S T A L K E D, not like they're they're stalking it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, which is, I guess, the follow up to it, different scenario. Okay. Uh, this really is, I, I hate to use this term. <laughs> so the first half was great, and then it really jumped the shark, Jim. Ha, ha, ha. It really did. There's, it was weird because... Well, really are, you, are we talking literally jump the shark or <laughs> just... No, that, the... that might have been better. But okay. up, up to the first half of it, it was good acting, interesting characters, nicely shot, um, very little cgi shark which looked terrible but they just cut it pretty quick so it's like okay that's fine um but you know more more of a serious one it's not like a sci-fi movie thing um, right in the second half it's like the writers just like gave up or something or they couldn't write the second half of the movie compared to the first half it's just like right um i have no idea where you're going with this and the characters making stupid decisions and it's like it was it's almost like a different movie from the first half so right um, yeah that one and I, that's like a five out of ten because first half great second half terrible <laughs> right well that's fair um those are really the only things i think that i've watched this week. I I did actually hear a little bit of news that I'm 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 super excited about. So there there's this series of books. I don't know if if you're a big reader, Mark, but there is this series of books called the Rook Se- the Rook um, the Rook. Well, it's the Rook Files, book one, two, and three. But the first book is called the Rook. The second is called Stiletto, and the third is called Blitz. The third has just been announced. It'll be out in October. I'm so so excited. Because this series of books, it's written by um, Daniel O'Malley. Um, mm-hmm. The first book find, follows this woman, Mifwini Mifwini Thomas? Mifwini Thomas. No, Mifanwi. I, I don't know. How, do you, how would you pronounce that name? M-Y-F-A-N-W-Y. Mifni? Yeah, okay. I mean, I, you're probably more seasoned at that than I am. But anyway, she wakes up um, with amnesia. And she, through this book... She finds out that she was part of a, a society that um, investigates and deals with paranormal threats, um, and she is actually she has some sort of of power, essentially to to uh, to help this organization. So it's v- so well done, so well written. Um, the second book, Stiletto, it took me a little while to get into that one because it doesn't center around the same characters. Hmm. They still show up in the story, but it's about other characters, right? Oh. They're not the the starring uh, mm-hmm. characters anymore, and that's what I'm expecting from the third the third book, Blitz. But I'm telling you, if if you enjoy um, sci-fi, paranormal type stuff, like, and I'm not talking about witches, I'm talking about weird science experiments, you know, uh, telekinesis, that kind of stuff. Um, then you you would enjoy these books. S- uh, pseudoscience, Jim. I think you're talking. About. Yeah, essentially, yes. <laughs> like there's they have this sludge that somebody regrows in right like like x files right 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 essentially yes except all of that there's no debunking this stuff it is actually happening like in one scene in the book there's a house out of flesh that they have to figure out how to deprogram it's really kind of cool what would you call a light in that house Uh, a flesh light (laughs) (laughs) 
But anyway, I, I strongly recommend that series. This gym, doesn't she? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Your mother listens to this podcast, doesn't she? <laughs> she? She does. She's oh. not going to know what a flashlight is. <laughs> I apologize. She's googling it right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> apologies, uh, Jim's wife, for Jim's yeah. behavior. Um, okay, well that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might, I might look that, that up. Honestly, like, you, you really I, should, Mark. I can't, <clears throat> I can't enough. You got to at least give the first book a chance. Here's the thing: I, I listen to audiobooks mostly in my car. And yep. I've been working from home a lot. It, it really yeah. down on on the stuff that I listen to, but um, oh yeah, I, I completely get that because I I do the same thing, but I drive a lot more than you do. Right, um, Jim, do you want to tell the the lovely audience about um, next week's special episode? Next week we have a first in the A's and B's of Horror podcast. We are going to have a guest, Miss Lucy, will be joining us to discuss two movies. The first is a movie she picked called The Ritual which is available on Netflix. And the second is another movie Mark picked. <laughs> so Jim will love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's called The Shrine. Um, I'm not, I'm sorry, Mark. I don't remember what services you said it was available. AMC, I think it's on AMC Plus. Um, okay, that's right. Yes. Um, it's on AMC Plus. So we will be checking that out. And we'll be putting uh, Lucy through the paces. Right, finally She's make a- the same voice on this uh on the other end of the microphone. Oh no, sir! Don't give her too much credit. She's she's a hot mess express, and she knows it. I'm kidding. That's her TikTok handle. <laughs> oh, oh Jesus! Okay, it'll be very exciting to have another uh, uh, guest on the podcast. And um, again, if anybody else wants to join, uh, more than everyone. All right. Thanks very much, everyone. Jim, do you have anything else? I don't. I'm. That's it for me. 